Today is November 27th. Now that you're all full of Thanksgiving meals, you've argued with your family about who the Pirates should sign or trade for, and you've diverted that energy into buying too much this weekend. Let's talk baseball together. You're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. My name is Josh and I'm joined again by my brother Jake. What's up, Jake? How are we doing, man? Uh, good morning, I should say. <laughs> we uh, good, good morning after a long day. So many times we get on here and we say, another late night recording, here we are. And today we're recording, I say we're recording early in the morning. But we just did a little bit of prep before, so we're actually around 10 a.m. <laughs> so you guys get a little peek into what 10 a.m. looks like for me. <laughs> it should not be considered early morning. <laughs> but either way. It's 9 a.m. Uh, for me. We did. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's a little earlier for you. Um, and, you know, you had the long day yesterday, basically worked from... What, 4 a.m.? 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, two, two separate jobs. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's fair to, to about make sure that you two clarify hour break, that. Yeah. About a two-hour break from noon to two. So, you know, I, I always stay up late, especially on the weekends. So for me to wake up at nine was like, you know, have to set an alarm. <laughs> But anyway, especially with no kids in the house, I'll say that. The kids are in the house, you're up anyway. Right, right. But they're not here right now. So um, what we got some stuff to talk about today. You know what I mean? We've got yeah. an, another discussion about starting pitching. That seems to be a very common theme. Um, as it should. As it should. That's one of the, you know, that's the number one thing that the Pirates are looking for. So there'll be a little bit of that. Um and some TV stuff this week, which last week uh, Gary came in and sat in for for you, and uh, we talked about impact of injuries, and you know, kind of went into some rabbit holes there, and and had some conversations. And what we didn't get to was this TV stuff. So I've actually been sitting on these notes for a week now, which is good for me because it was a little bit less I had to do this week. But um, we're gonna get into that stuff now and uh, have that conversation. I think it's worth talking about. There's still something looming there. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look around and uh, see some transactions and just let's get this thing on. A, what do you say? How do you say that? It's early. I'm st- I haven't finished my first monster. On the up today. and up? Yeah, or get this ball rolling. Maybe that's yeah, what I meant. Get the ball rolling. Hopefully everybody that listens this started. week. Ooh. Everybody that listens this week, I hope you listen early in the morning just to feel a little bit more of my vibe and maybe don't think that, oh, what's this guy doing? It's middle of the afternoon. <laughs> I guess that's one of the weird things about, uh, you know, recording something and then people could listen to it any time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. This is, you never know. Anyway, <laughs> let's get moving here. Uh, Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson signed one-year deals with the Cardinals. The Braves sign Reynaldo Lopez to a three-year contract. That's now three relievers and a trade for another one. Uh, 
uh, Atlanta rebuilding that bullpen in a hurry. Yeah. Because that's the reason you lost in the postseason. <laughs> um, Osvaldo Beto signs a major league contract with the A's. Currently, the Athletics currently in Oakland, as I will say that, I guess. Cal mm-hmm. Mitchell signs a minor league deal with the Padres. So just a couple guys that have been here and now gone. Um, as far as the rest of kind of hot stove goes, uh, Osvaldo, uh, yeah, the Mariners <laughs> trade a. Eugenio Suarez to the Diamondbacks for Carlos Vargas and Sebi Zavala, the guy who broke O'Neill Cruz's leg. And the Padres hire former Cardinals manager Mike Schilt as their new manager. And a bunch of teams are interested in a bunch of players. Because <laughs> that's what it is. Anything stick out? I mean, you know, we don't really... Nothing. It's interesting yeah, the, the what only, the Braves have done. Yeah. The only thing that sticks out to me is I think it's hilarious. I read through all these teams interested in this player, teams interested in this player, teams that would be a good fit for this player. It's never the Pirates. <laughs> No, and they're, they're not going to write that even up. if it is. You no, know what I mean? Because they, yeah, just not a popular take. Right. They want they want something that people are going to click on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, until it's interesting, they just aren't going right. to do it. Um, it seems like, I mean, I read through how many things. that This is the offseason. That's not very many things, right? Right. Um, the hot stove's it's not really. Hot stove. Yeah, it's not really been hot yet. And that's still okay. On that, still on that lukewarm. It's like it's like we're watching that pot, not gonna boil. Yeah, and the, the thing, saying. yeah, the the uh, the thing is, is like in years past, it, there's been a little more action. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Winter meetings are still a week away. I'm guessing um, there's not much more than touching base with a lot of these guys until winter meetings. It seems like that is um, seems like that's a a trend right now is to push it to winter meetings. If, unless you're the Braves, uh, who were very aggressive and you could say the Cardinals, uh, sign in a couple old guys for 11 and 12 million or whatever it is, 10 and 12. I think it's actually 11 and 12. I wrote 10, but I think Lance Lynn actually got 11, but like, okay, cool. You got a couple dinosaurs to pitch in the back of your rotation. who aren't very good. Um, but those are, uh, maybe somebody that the pirates could have signed <laughs> to do the same thing. It's interesting yeah. to see the Cardinals do it. I would have expected them to be, if they go out and get one of the big ones. Okay. I get it. They've got a lot of young guys coming sure. too, but it's just unlike the Cardinals. But essentially other than that, it's not really been much. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm going to reverse psychology, this thing and say, there won't be anything done until winter meetings. Then maybe we'll get a signing next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could be wrong, but it, it it feels like that. It feels like the the uptick will happen at winter meetings, um, and so that's that's basically it. I mean, we're talking Aaron Nola with the with the going back to Philly, and I just said Atlanta signings of those three relief pitchers. Those are the only multi year deals we've had so far. Yeah. Three relievers and Aaron Nola going back to the team he came from. Which Very uneventful, which we all saw coming. Yeah. Kind of hoped it would happen, to be honest with you, because the Cardinals were in on him so hard. <laughs> yeah, glad yeah. to see him at least in Philly rather than in the, in the division. So, um, there's been a few other one year deals, right? But um, essentially, it's a little bit, um, it's lukewarm, like you said. 
Yeah. Uh, the Pirates in particular have not made any noise. Uh, Sherrington saying he'll be active in seeking starting pitchers. Let's hope that that turns into some pen to paper. Um, 2024 has been a year on our calendar for a long time. It's time, right? I mean, we, this yeah, is this is sure. if it, it's not going to be an episode unless I make that statement. I'm, I, I want to make it clear right out of the gate that we expect things to improve. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, I know that I can be, um, I can kind of make sense of things a lot of times and I can kind of, um, I want to say sugarcoat because I don't think I sugarcoat, but I just look at the positive side of things sometimes. So I don't want that to get kind of twisted in a way to say like, that I'm not on that page. I am on that page. Okay. Yeah. So that brings us to the first topic of the day. TV, broadcast, revenue, cable, contract type stuff. Um, Like I said, this is the untouched topic from last week. Um, But more than half the teams in the league are faced with uncertainty in the broadcast rights revenue world. Uh, Bally Diamonds, yeah, Diamond Sports Group, uh, who is who is Bally going bankrupt? That last year we saw them. Uh, who was it? The Padres, and I have it somewhere else here too. Padres and somebody else. They did not show their games last year. I forget the other team. Anyway, so Minnesota. Um, no, not. I don't think it was Minnesota. It was last year. It was I, th- I think it was Padres and Rockies. Um, go figure that I would that I would forget that. Either way, yeah. um, the this year it's it's more, and they're going to continue to do this. Diamond Sports or Bally, they're going to continue to say, "Hey, we're not doing it right." And for us, we know that AT and T did the same thing. They said, "We'll we'll take you to the end of the year, and then we're done. Figure something out." Yeah, and so that's where the pirates are right now. They're kind of in that place where it's like AT and T is no more. They've said goodbye, and now it's time for the pirates to figure out what in the world they're going to do with their games being, I mean, available to us. And they have options. Jason Mackey reported that around the time of winter meetings, we should know more about the pirates' TV situation. So there's more to talk about once we get closer to winter meetings or during winter meetings or whatever. Um, but we know that MLB has said, and this is what they did, I think with the Padres last year and and the other team that I can't remember, um, (laughs) is they basically are, they can commit about 80% of what those previous deals are. So you're at least, you're already taking a 20% pay cut in your broadcast revenue. Um, Mm -hmm. and we'll, and we'll get into that a little more, but the Pirates deal is estimated to be around 50 or 60 million, but we don't really know which is, by the way, a really low TV deal to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is what Sportsnet Pittsburgh will be able to do about it. Their options being Sportsnet Pittsburgh, which is where the Penguins are now, Fenway Sports Group, who does Nesson up in Boston. They, I think they own the Penguins, right? But they bought this network. The Pirates could join in. Sportsnet Pittsburgh kind of needs the Pirates to do that. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, the Pirates have that option, and they also have the option where MLB just puts all their uh, – basically, they turn off blackouts. And I think I've read something where, like, MLB Network Alternate would be available for all the local games or something like that. I don't know. 
But either way, they would make sure that like you don't have to have MLB TV to watch the game. Like you wouldn't have to stream the games on MLB TV. They would make it available, I think, via MLB Network alternate. So as so long as you have MLB Network on your cable deal, which is not YouTube TV anymore, but if you have MLB Network, then you should be able to get the games. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and and it would be just another channel that you can turn to, and that's one of the other things that the pirates have to be concerned about is how you'll even get those. We're not going to get into that today, though. Go read uh, Jason Mackey's article on the TV stuff because he does go into that. You know, he goes into what channel is is going to be important. That the fact that you have a channel that you can turn to and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's going to be interesting. You're talking about, you know, because of the Pirates deal not being huge, taking like a 10 to $12 million pay cut if if their numbers are where we think they might be. So it feels like it's maybe not that much. But let's take a look around the league because you think, well, that, that shouldn't matter. That shouldn't matter. They've got enough revenue. But look around. And start understanding what's going on. We just said uh, Bally. They're, they are dropping, or at least could drop, whatever it is, uh, the Guardians and the Rangers this year. So there's two more teams on that list. It's now going to be up to four teams that they are for sure dropping. I think there's even talk that it's somebody else. Um, Cleveland, well, I mean, the, everybody out here knows about the Cal Quantrill DFA, and there was a lot of Pirate fans that were saying, let's go get him, and all of those things. And he ended up getting traded to the to the Rockies as part of that waiver claim. And and Chris Ananetti from from the Guardians came right out and said that it was mostly motivated by cable cable revenue uncertainty. And it's just a matter of he's he had a down year. He's going to make six million dollars. Yeah, we think he can bounce back, but we're not going to pay it just in case. Yeah, because we don't know what money you know what i mean they're just making those types of cuts minnesota has said they're forced into lowering payroll after winning the division with a payroll around 150 and they're saying we got to take it down because we're we don't know what our revenue looks like the padres i just talked about they didn't show anything um and the padres made all that offseason all those offseason moves and tons of money and way out of their price range. They definitely overspent and then ended up taking out a loan because they couldn't afford the salaries. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just wild. Like, all this TV stuff, it's wild to me. It's it's a lot of money to be thrown around and taken away, really, essentially. It's like, ah, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to yeah, do something different. And it's just... It, I can't wrap my head around a lot of this stuff fully. Just doesn't make a whole lot of I don't want to say a whole lot of sense. It makes sense. I just I don't get the motivation behind some of it. Yeah, we'll and and we'll I have a couple things here that'll mm-hmm. kind of, you know, paint a bit of a picture there if if you guys are on the same page there. But essentially, MLB teams have assumed revenue that is not coming to them. All the ones that are affected by this, which is more than half the league. I think that's like a total between like AT&T and, uh, and Bally. I think Bally has 14 teams and there's three more teams at least on AT&T. You know what I mean? I think Colorado mm-hmm. and Seattle and Pittsburgh and maybe even Houston yeah. who had to do their own thing as well, I think. So I don't know. I, I there may be, There's like 15 or 16 teams 
I believe, who are impacted by what's going on right now. And, you know, I, th- I think to myself, well, maybe because the Pirates deal is so small, <laughs> they won't be as affected. Um, but any revenue dip in the cable contracts will directly impact payroll. Mm-hmm. And that's why they use percentages too. Percentages, it's going to hurt you that percent. Yeah. No matter what. No matter what the dollar is at the end of the day, it's a percentage of what's coming in. Yeah, contract is we know this money's coming in. We're not worried about ticket sales. We're not worried about merchandise, which we all know ticket sales probably pay more of the park employees and park upkeep and and uh, what was I? What I just say? <laughs> it's so early. Uh, ticket, ticket sales prices. Yeah. Well, I said ticket sales, and then the, and the other thing I just said. I literally just said it out loud. Oh, concessions and that. No, I didn't say that. Oh. Oh, merchandise, yeah. Yes, yes. Which merchandise, MLB gets most of that money because yeah. it's really, it's it's made by MLB. They're the ones with the deal. So anyway, sorry. I'm really sorry, guys. So <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean? Like, so the, really the TV contracts is where a lot of, now the Pirates, because they're in the situation they are, and, um, and they get revenue sharing, a lot of that goes to, I mean, that has to go to player salaries. So right. any kind of bump up in player salaries is going to be because of money that they have coming in a TV deal. So it will impact it. Um, and when you're talking about the Pirates and a low amount of payroll too, yeah, then, you know, I don't know. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I lost my spot here. Okay, so anyway, baseball in general has a problem. And we we can talk so many times about, oh, baseball's losing its popularity. Baseball's dying, which is the hilarious one to me. <laughs> it's not dying, right? No. It's not number one anymore. That doesn't mean it's dying. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that that's that's ridiculous. It's like saying, well, the Yankees haven't won a World Series, so they're, they're just probably going to fold it in. Like, come on, man. They're packing it. Yeah, they're packing it in. They're gonna they're gonna retire as a team. We're going down to twenty nine because the Yankees haven't won a World Series. <laughs> like, come on. Um, players player contracts keep going up, and apparently Craig Council's contract they, they keep driving it up uh, because revenue keeps going up. And yes, even in baseball, with a, a sport that's dying, revenue is still going up every year. We can yeah. act like it's not. It's just not increasing the amount that it used to. Um, I think last year, even last year, just going to games, I think average MLB attendance was the most it's been since like 2007 or something like that. So no, like people are still watching baseball. They're still going, (laughs) right? And uh, and whatever. But once once player salaries go up, dude, they don't come back down without something catastrophic. The market doesn't reset when revenue reset or when revenue decreases. Like, that just becomes an issue. Yeah. This is why, in general, that these regional sports networks are probably in the in the situation they're in. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if players sign later into the offseason because of that. Because there are teams out there who are saying, we're just not going to go to that number. Not because you're not worth it, but because... This is what the books say I can afford. And if they don't have that number, I think they'll sit and they'll wait for somebody to say, all right, we'll do it. And when they don't, ultimately, baseball players want to play baseball. Yeah. 
If anybody doesn't, if anybody's saying, I really want to, I'm going to, I'm going to go a lower number here just to make sense out of things. I really wanted a hundred million and the highest offer I have is 80 million and it's a year less. I think I'm going to sit half the season out. I'm sorry. You're selfish. If you're getting hung up <laughs> over $80 million, like bro, just sign a deal. Yeah. Go out there and play the game you're supposed to play. Yep. It's just silly. It's absolutely silly. It'd be one thing if they're like, they're offering me 50000 in a minor league deal, but I really thought I could make $50 million. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. obviously yeah. that's different. You can make 50000 anywhere. Otherwise, you sign because you're a baseball player. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that's, maybe somebody just yelled at me and there's some kind of principle that I'm just, you know, whatever. Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me about it. Comments, YouTube, do that uh, stuff. Cause I'm, I'm willing to listen. I'm, I say things sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't think of the full thing when I said that. Anyway, not all teams are affected, but if, if you think the Yankees won't take advantage <laughs> of smaller offers to save a few million because if they're not in a position to save because of their TV contract, but they know that they're in competition with three teams for a player who won't go further because of their TV contract, the Yankees just aren't going to just go further. They're going to try to, they're going to try to keep them as close, as low as they can and still have the highest deal. That's just the way it's going to go. There's a game there and they're going to do it. I mean, owners will try to push, lower offers any chance they get oh yeah get under that tax if possible for for a team like the yankees or, or whatever if you can get under that tax that's perfect and the more they do that the less money that comes to teams like the pirates <laughs> mm-hmm. we kind of need the, the the yankees and the mets and the dodgers and all that we kind of need them to spend 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 because that means more money comes to bob nutting and that money that comes to him he has to spend on players right he has no choice but to spend it on players. So kind of want that, right? Yep. All right, so a little bit of a picture Boy. here. A little bit of a picture. Um, when we start saying, like, well, we can't understand the, uh, like the extent of this and how much it impacts. The NFL has the format, man. It's one game a week. It's, it makes it easy to come up to with a deal with national TV. You don't have to worry about a regional sports network. You put all your games on national TV. Fans are easily committed to watch one day a week. Now, I understand they've got a couple other sprinkled in here. Um, But for the most part, you got Sunday. You know what I mean? Which is typically a day off for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, No other sport needs commitment from their fans in that same way. The NFL is asking fans to take one day and say, dedicate this to football which is easy to do. So, but it, it does require them people to watch it. Yeah. Um, but you know, other sports don't have to do that. They are available for the fan. Uh, baseball in particular is on every day. Right. And they're not asking the fans to watch every game, but if you, if you're at home and you want to watch a game, we got you. There's one on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're going to play just about every day. Very rarely is there not a game on. Um, and as baseball's done it the best, and regional sports networks have made this possible. Um, according to a thread uh, on Twitter or X from Travis Sochik, 
He said some portion of every significant contract in Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA is indirectly subsidized by cable subscribers who never watch live sports. This is an interesting piece of this. It's a, a great model since the New York Islanders created it in the early 1980s, something that I didn't had any idea of. So this all started in the NHL. Regional Sports Network, they said, we're going to put this in the cable package. Everybody who buys cable will contribute to this channel and we'll be able to pay the Islanders for their broadcast rights. It all works out. We got a bunch of people that aren't even watching who are paying for it. That runs out uh, at now, right? That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Long-term, Travis says, long-term, uh, the games will get in front of more viewers and create new and greater revenues, but we'll see. Essentially, I don't know. I don't know how you can be confident in that, but you know, the strength of the regional sports network is that it was there. It was included in what you were already paying for. So for all of us who do want to watch, you have the channel. It's right. included. It's gonna be if it's not included in your cable package. Um, this is going to be something that is possibly harder to get in front of the fan, as I, as we mentioned before. And if it comes down to getting MLB TV, man, I'm going to tell you, it's not you and I will pay for it. People <laughs> that are listening to this right now in the off season, you guys will pay for it. You guys will say, yeah, yeah I want to watch the Pirates. What's it cost? And really, MLB TV is really cheap when you really think about the amount of games that you have the opportunity to watch. Right. You know what I mean? Let's say you watch, I don't know, a hundred games. It costs like a hundred and thirty bucks. Like you're telling me you're not gonna pay a dollar thirty per game. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's really you know what I mean? Yeah. Now obviously the less games you watch, if you're thinking of value and things like that, I would also say that some of that is just having it available is is value. So you can cut that off of the per game cost and things like that. It's available after the game, too. You can watch it anytime. Yeah. You can watch. I mean, it depends on if you get just the team deal or the whole thing and you've got all these things. I get a notification. So-and-so's got a no-hitter. Boom. It's on my phone. I'm going to watch the end of this no-hitter or see how it breaks up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's as yeah. easy as that. Um, Somebody's got three home runs. Oh, will he hit a fourth? You know what I mean? Like, just these just really simple things Yeah. Um, that are just right at your fingertips. Um. But if the price is steep, man, I don't know how, let's say somebody is, um, hey, there's nothing on TV, let's turn on the game. Pirates are on, let's see how it's going. You might watch a part of 20 to 50 games, a real casual fan, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I look and see how they're doing, especially the Pirates right now. W- what motivation do you have, right? But you can, right. if there's nothing else on. And you, you might flip over to the Pirate game and watch a few innings. If they're doing well, maybe you watch a few more. If they're getting beat, you turn it off after an inning. You know what I mean? And it's like <laughs> some part of 20 to 50 games. Tell me how that fan, who really only turns it on because it's available, would ever pay for anything to watch the Pirates. And they're not going to. They're not going to. No. So that is another thing. Uh, baseball has been committed to being around and available for the fan, not the other way around. So I don't really know. Um, how do you fix this in baseball? You go back to bigger bill games. You got to figure something out, right? Mm-hmm. 
So let's go to Sunday night baseball, Wednesday night baseball. Create some more hype around that. Somehow work with ESPN. Stop fighting with them. Get them talking about baseball again. Yeah. Everybody thinks that ESPN... That'll be a big start. Everybody thinks that ESPN doesn't talk about baseball because they're uninterested, because it's dying. No, you know it's because once MLB started, MLB pulled a bunch of programming and pulled a bunch of resources and put it into MLB Network. And ESPN was like, you going to play like that? Fine. (laughs) We're just not going to talk about you. You know what I mean? It's a fight. Anyway, go back to something like that. Create some hype. Maybe in the summer you do something where you commit to that NFL Sunday type thing. Show 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock games, featured games on Sundays. The NFL's not on. So, Have you seen what basketball's doing right now? With the in-season tournament stuff? Yes. Yeah, that's stupid. Stupid. But, yeah. <laughs> but they're trying something. Yeah. It, yeah, it's so dumb. Anyway. And they're talking, they, and I did a athletic uh, survey thing not too long ago. And they're like, would you like baseball to do something like this? No. And the <laughs> results were uh, like almost 100% no. There's like yeah. 10 weird dudes who said yes. But <laughs> 10 <laughs> soccer fans were like, yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> anyway, because I mean, because that's a soccer thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So create a day of that Sunday thing, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just make it so that they're – and then maybe what you do is you, you you send this out to the coaches and to the people and say, hey, how about not throwing garbage lineups out on Sunday? Let's make this more of a featured day. You know, you know right. those Sunday lineups that we like to say. I don't know if it changes anything. It's based around having featured players on a Saturday night versus a Sunday afternoon, so – I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what I don't know how you you change everything, right? Show them on ESPN. Get that thing, you know what I mean? Do you do that? And then when football starts, you can keep showing them on ESPN because they don't show football on Sundays. Right. Like they show bowling. So just take that over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just say we'll show baseball even during, you know what I mean? You show bowling once baseball's over. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just some thoughts like that. They've got to figure something out. Um, and we know that they don't market their players well enough because that means that they're, they drive value up. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't drive payroll or salaries down if you're driving value up. Right? We know right. that. Owners yeah. will figure out a way. Any way to drive down player salaries is good. Um, I don't know. Um I guess you could have a hard cap <laughs> and, and shared revenue. <laughs> well, that seems to be impossible, right? But maybe yeah. maybe MLB controlling broadcast aspect of everything is the only way to ever approach that model. So maybe that is something that through all this mess that will go down first before it goes back up. But maybe somewhere along the line, the Pirates will have the same money to spend that the Yankees do. I doubt it'll ever be one to one like that. But at least right. from the TV, at least from the TV contract aspect of things, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot more questions than answers here. You have any more thoughts on 
on any of this stuff, the, you know, the TV stuff. I mean, we, like we said, we're going to find some more stuff out, maybe specific to the pirates, but, um, this is all really interesting and it is certainly impacting free agency and the amount of money that teams are willing to spend when they just don't know how much money they have coming in. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just like any business. If you don't know how much money's coming in, it's hard to spend it. You could be digging yourself a bigger hole. Yeah. Um, We'll hope to get into this more later when it's more specific to the Pirates and now that we've kind of got an idea of what's going on. But um, just don't be surprised if the Pirates back off of this aggressive vocabulary once we get closer to understanding. Right now, there's no yeah. reason for them to say anything else, right? Because we don't know. Right. But if we come up to this thing and it's like, wow, we really – like let's say the Pirates – uh, decide we're going to go with Pittsburgh Sportsnet because of all the extra programming that we can still do. All of the inside Pirates baseball and all those things that they may not get to do with MLB. You know yeah. what I mean? So if they yeah. want to keep all of that programming, then they go with Pittsburgh Sportsnet. But in the process, they're taking even less money in order to have the ability to do that stuff. Where on the MLB side, you come on the air like 15 minutes before the game, you have a short pregame, you have a short post game afterwards. And that's like the extent of what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're taking a big hit when it comes to that with, you know, I mean, people are going to lose their jobs. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of have a, but it might be less money anyway. You might yeah. take less money to have more availability and, and more freedom to, to do what you want. I don't know. Um, I really don't know. But, uh, I think it's safe to say um, because of where they're coming from as far as payroll goes, uh, we'll still see an increase in payroll this season. <laughs> but it just might not be as much as what we thought it could have been, right? I know the, right. I know. I've heard a lot of people saying it needs to get to this number. It might not because if this thing comes out that they're taking significantly less, I guarantee you that will hit. And oh, Yeah, it has to. I mean – as much as we don't want to admit it. <laughs> right. Bob Nutting ain't going to spend his own money on this team. All right. He's going to he's going to spend profit only. It's a business. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not going to get into that. But right. the idea is that if if it comes out that this stuff is lower, I have a feeling it's going to come out that this that they're not going to spend the way that we thought they were going to spend or the way maybe the way, even the way they, they thought they were going to spend. Just going to say or the way they thought they were going to spend. All right. Well, doom and gloom. Let's let's get creative here. Let's pivot into something else, um, and let's get creative about starting pitching and and kind of more of a painting a picture of like what's going on around the league, what we've seen and complained about for a few years now, and stuff like that. And we're gonna go through an exercise. We know that the Pirates. We talked about it before we started here. Number one concern right now is starting pitching. And I don't know, man, with uncertainty of money, I don't I don't know how are the Pirates going to, you know, fare now that there's another pitcher that they're going to have to sign and now that, you know, all these things. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to get? What what type of players? You got a bunch of young pitchers. Uh, Gary and I talked last week that you're going to have to limit innings and try to avoid injuries. You cannot go out and – and, and jump these guys mega amounts of innings and wear them down. You're going to have to get creative. So, you know, 
There's one guy on the free agent market that we could talk about getting a lot of buzz and one guy on the trade block. So we're going to talk about the effectiveness of starting pitchers and maybe where the trend's going with that. One of these guys uh, just won a Cy Young and the other one, um, the word ace being thrown around. Loosely. I mean, it's just being thrown around, but we'll call it loose. <laughs> Let's start with Blake Snell. Just want to Cy Young. What makes Snell so good? Run prevention, for sure, right? Mm-hmm. 225 ERA last season, uh, 234 strikeouts in 180 innings. So let me ask you first question. The word ace. Can you be called an ace if you don't throw 200 innings? <laughs> I want to know your opinion on that because I've really been thinking about this lately. Yeah, I want your opinion on that. I mean, you got to be at least close, like really close. Uh, you you want a horse. You want your ace to be a horse. Obviously, and results matter, right? A hundred percent. How about this? 100%. How about this? Number of starts. Player A, okay? 32 starts. 21 starts, 33, 32, 33, COVID year, 30, 33, 33. So availability, you're starting a lot of games. That's really good, mm-hmm. right? Those yeah. are good numbers to hear. You had one year in there where it was a little bit less than that. Okay. And then you look at innings, starting with that same season, 208. Then the down year, 116. 203, 200, 212, COVID year, 180, 200, 209. It's actually 181. So you're looking at, okay, that's some significant work. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's effective. There's a fourth place in a Cy Young, a fifth place, a second place, a fourth place, a second place, a ninth place, right? There's a lot of them in there. Yeah. And then finally, last year, there was a first place in a Cy Young. One, two, wait, we got six-time All-Star, twice an ERA title, this is Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. Garrett Cole is an ace, without yeah. question. Without maybe question. the ace of of Major League Baseball right now. I mean, I maybe I don't really, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a right. It's an interesting that, thought, but he right. might be like he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah, he might be the quintessential ace of Major League Baseball. He's only thrown five, like eight complete games, five shutouts. So that's a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of games and a lot of years. He still isn't throwing. It's not like he's old school all the way. Right. Eight complete games out of 300 games. You know what I'm saying? So we're not talking Greg Maddox here. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of, is Greg Maddox an ace? Yeah. Without question, right? And the guy's in the Hall of Fame. Um, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Fourteen straight seasons over 200 innings. Uh, most of those in the two, I mean, some of them in the two sixties, <laughs> and then he had a one ninety nine, so he missed two hundred. <laughs> oh no! And then one, two, three, four more, and then you know, at this point, he's forty, right? right. And then even after, even at forty, he threw two hundred and ten innings, and then one hundred ninety eight and one hundred ninety four at forty two. Now, <laughs> that's a whole other ball game, right? We understand he threw innings; he was very effective. Um, you know, ERA is over four after 39, but 37 maybe. Yeah, 37, 38, 38. 
But the thing is, is like he didn't throw a hundred miles an hour, right? Right. He made sure he could pitch well into games. A hundred and nine complete games. Jeez. You know what I'm saying? 35 shutouts. <laughs> now that's in 744 games. So 300 to 700, a little more than, you know, a little more than 100% more games than Garrett Cole. But the pace would put Garrett Cole somewhere around 40 complete games if he was going to do the same thing. You know what right. I mean? I don't right. know what that number would be. But this is just an exercise to say, like, what is an ace today? Because obviously it's not Greg Maddox. Those n- type of numbers are not possible the way that pitchers pitch today. Right. But Garrett Cole, who is a guy who throws 100, you know what I'm saying? He's showing that, yes, you can still do this. This is what makes an ace. You could look at guys like Verlander. I'm sure he's in that list. Scherzer probably multiple years of, you know, and these are guys who I wouldn't consider aces anymore because of right. their age, but right. I don't know. I mean, do you have other thoughts of other guys? I mean, like what does 200 innings actually matter or is Blake Snell and Tyler Glasnow an ace because of production? Does it only matter on how good you are when you go out there? Yes. I mean, it, it, that, that, that's the, the main point is how good you are when you go out there. However, if you're constantly cutting their outings a little bit short, then they're not the workhorse that you want them to be, to be your ace. Like I need you to go out and win us the game. Mm-hmm. You do not win us the game in five innings. Mm-hmm. There's still four more innings to play. If you're going to go out there and win me a game, get through seven, make me only need two innings. I think and, and 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 I'm not saying every start you should go out and throw seven innings. That's right. not what I'm saying. But if you're the ace, that's kind of the expectation is for you to go out and throw seven innings for me every night you go out. Or at least have the potential to. The potential to go seven innings. Yeah, that's the better word. I can, I can count on you to give me six to seven innings every night. So Garrett Cole, on average, this season, six and a third. He's pitching into the seventh inning on average Mm -hmm. into the seventh inning. I think that is probably, if you're north of six, which means you're getting through six Mm -hmm. by on average. You don't have to even get out of that seventh. That's fine. Throw six innings. Right. And then give me three innings at the end, and I'm happy, right? Mm -hmm. A quality start requires you to throw six innings. So even if you go with that, an ace should be able to throw if he's 33 starts, he's got to give me at least 20. I don't know. I'm going to jump in and give a number there. I was going to say 25 quality starts, but let me see how many Garrett Cole had last year. I mean, this is a in his Cy Young year, right? If I can find the Dagum quality start statistic, this is awesome. Anyway, keep going while I look for this. <laughs> so if you get 30, if you get 30 starts a year, average 30 starts a year. You're looking at, oh, I did that wrong. 30 starts times six is 180 innings. Okay. That's why if you go to if you go to 34 starts is when it gets um, over that 200 mark at 204. 34, yeah, 33. What I'm seeing for a lot of people is like 31 to 33. So if you go 
what did I just do? 31 starts. Six innings. Six is 186. So if, if Snell's at 180, yeah. are we saying that that's kind of the where we're at, like 180 innings? If you get to that seven mark, you're at 217. Which is ridiculous. Like that's just not going to happen anymore. But right. getting into the seventh, I think, is the – when you're averaging six, that means you're pitching into the seventh. Because there are going right. to be games that you're taking out early. Right. I, I don't I don't see the quality start, so I'm, I'm not going to keep looking just for the sake of keeping the conversation right. going. But So I've got some numbers here. Um, 180 and 32 starts, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're talking 32 starts. Right. Um, that's an average of just under 5.2. Now, that's I don't think that's two-thirds. I don't remember. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's just under five and two-thirds innings per start. On average, he's getting into the sixth, but not getting out of it. Well, let's go one step further. Jake, he pitched three times this season in the seventh inning. Just three times did he actually take the mound in the seventh inning. Right. And as you would expect, he threw all three of those innings clean. Three perfect innings. Or no no runs, right? He, right. he finished the, the seventh inning in all three of those games. I'll say that. He also pitched um, or never, never saw the mound in the eighth inning in a Cy Young season. He also only pitched into the sixth inning 21 times for a total of 20 innings in the sixth in a Cy Young year. So 11 starts of 32, he didn't even get into like he didn't even take the mound in the sixth inning in a Cy Young season. Run prevention, though. You know what I mean? He's great at it. Yeah. He pitched in the fifth inning all but two starts. So he's getting you five. Right. Or at least getting into the fifth. All right. So he faced one batter all season a fourth time through. A little more than half of the hitters he faced, he faced a third time through, which really isn't a lot. Right. Um, but a little higher than I expected because I thought it was like, well, we'll get him two times through. We'll get him out of there. You know what I mean? Like I was expecting to get into there when I started this exercise. Um, It's not a matter of pitch count. uh, Getting over 115 times he did this year. So it's not a pitch count thing. He's thrown pitches. Um, All 32 starts, he was north of 76 pitches. So he's throwing. Um, In his other Cy Young year, yes, this is a guy who's won the Cy Young twice. Um, He went beyond six innings 13 times of 31. So a little bit better there. but I looked up this season, and we're going to do this for each pitcher we're going to talk about here today. And I'll kind of move quickly through this. Um, June 11th against Colorado, through seven innings, three hits, one run, 12 strikeouts, 85 pitches. He faced 23 batters. Um, and then Colorado scored two runs in each of the eighth and ninth and one. And <laughs> <laughs> on August 28th at St. Louis, he pitched seven innings, just two hits, no runs, five walks, nine strikeouts. We we know this about him. He's not afraid to walk people. Um, and maybe because of run prevention, I mean, he's good at it. He doesn't care if he mm-hmm. get, puts people on base. He gets out of it. Um, but that's why his pitches are up there. 109 pitches, faced 28 batters. St. Louis scored a run in the eighth, but they they won. And in September in Colorado, four walks, 10 strikeouts, no runs, 104 pitches, 25 batters faced. Xander hit a walk-off in the ninth to win 2-0. Um now let's talk about the free agent or the trade in this in Tyler Glass now, uh, the trade piece that we talked about. 21 games he started this year. That's a career high, Jake. And they're throwing <laughs> ace out. Yeah, I don't get it. I'll give it to you on Snell. 
Yeah. We just said 180 pitches seems acceptable on the low end, but seems acceptable. Run prevention is great. Okay. We'll keep moving here. Um, Man, 21 starts, and that's after an injury last year because he couldn't cheat anymore. And he pitched four times in the seventh inning, also did not see the eighth inning, finished one of those seven innings, seventh innings. In 16 of 21 starts, he pitched in the sixth inning, faced two hitters a fourth time through the order, but he did get through the third time or into the third time, 20 out of 21 starts. So he's getting into that third time through, more so than Blake Snell. Um, he also went over a hundred pitches just three times over 90 pitches, 10 times. So there's maybe a little bit of a pitch count thing on him and that's possibly coming off the injury, but mm-hmm. let's look at those four games. He went into seventh inning July three, three of them were straight in July on the 20th versus Baltimore, seven innings, six hits, three runs, two earned nine strikeouts, 93 pitches face 27 batters, uh, seven innings against Miami, seven innings, two hits, Two walks, eight strikeouts, 97 pitches. Okay, so a lot of these numbers are the same. I don't have to actually read through all these. Um, But essentially, he's doing well in these games. Yeah. Seems to be effective. He's In each of these games, he's under 100 pitches. And I told you, he threw 100 pitches three times, none of them in the games that he went deep. Let's talk about some Pirates now. Obviously, if you're going to talk about this stuff, you're going to have to bring this to the Pirates, right? Johan Oviedo, 32 starts, 177 and two-thirds. So close to 180. How does he stack up in these same types of things? He pitched into the seventh inning 10 times. Eight and two-thirds innings in those 10 games, but he got there. <laughs> into the eighth and ninth once, it was the same game. Um, it was a, his complete game shutout. Mm-hmm. But he faced batters a third time through in 30 of 32 starts and eight hitters a fourth time, which is more than the two guys who are called aces. Right. Over 100 pitches five times, over 90 pitches 25 times. More than the other two. Um, Games over the sixth inning, you see a six and two-third, a seven-seven, six and a third, seven-six and two-thirds, seven-seven-seven, and a nine. Right? Um, And all of those, pretty decent. There's an outlier that sticks out in there. Um, on July 6th, six and two thirds innings, six hits, five runs, two walks and six strikeouts, 98 pitches, 28 batters faced pirates lose five, four, but here's the deal. The Dodgers scored two in the sixth and one in the seventh off of Oviedo. Okay. So he's 98 pitches. He's deep a little bit of what if we just don't send him out there for the seventh, Right. Mm-hmm. And he and he ends with four earned runs instead. And he doesn't get those two outs in the seventh inning, but he also doesn't give up the run. Now you start to see where we're going with the exercise. What if you take him out when he's struggling in the sixth? You know what I mean? And he can maybe avoid one of those runs. Now all of a sudden, sure, he, he only gets you five and two-thirds maybe, and I don't actually have the, the game log here, so I don't know if that would have been the case. But let's say they take him out, bring in Moretta, and he and he, he leaves the runner stranded. He gives up one run. Now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. he had a three. He had five and two thirds with three runs. Something you can live with a little more, right? Yeah. And maybe yeah. at that point, I mean, the Pirates only scored two in that game, so he probably still lose. <laughs> but you're still in it a little bit. Yeah. And I don't know when the Pirates scored those two runs either. 
Um, there's another game with seven innings. He gave up just one run, and he gave that run up in the seventh inning. You know what I mean? You just wonder, okay? Now there's other games like July 15th where he goes seven innings and the Pirates lose three to one, and he only gave up one run. The other runs were given up after in the in the eighth, eighth or ninth. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you can feel it out, but you wonder how many times these guys were like, I just he's got to get me the rest of this inning. I know he's struggling, but we're already losing and we gotta keep him out yeah. there. So you have a little bit of a of a struggle. Let's talk about Mitch Keller. 32 starts, 194 and a third. Wanted that 200. That was important to him. It's important mm-hmm. to pitchers. We can talk about it all we want, how much we don't care. Who care? Pitchers care. <laughs> yeah, they do. Nine games, eight innings in the seventh, three times in the eighth, uh, once in the ninth for his complete game shutout as well, um, which is something that neither of these two te- the guys did, obviously. I mean, Blake Snell came out of a game one time when he had a no-hitter, okay? Right. All 32 starts, all 32 starts, he faced hitters a third time through, and actually quite a bit. Like, that number's not far from the number of first plate appearances. Like, the highest percentage of all four of these guys we've talked about. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't look at Garrett Cole in this deep. You know what I mean? Faced right. 12 hitters a fourth time. So still not a ton, but more than these other guys. Over 100 pitches 12 times. Over 90? I didn't finish that sentence in my notes, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So Boston, so I look down through this seven, nine, seven, six, seven, 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 eight, eight. Looks like there's none of those where he even got some outs but didn't finish. Now that doesn't mean he didn't start an inning and didn't finish the inning, but you know what I'm saying, just for the yeah. for the point. Um and here's an, a good example. May 26th in Seattle, six innings, was throwing well, right? But he ends up with six runs. And the thing is, is they scored two off Keller in the seventh. So he really went six innings, four runs. Six innings, four runs, he's not dealing. The Pirates still sent him out there in the seventh. He walks a guy, gives up a home run, then they take him out. Seems foolish to even send him out there, <laughs> other than the fact yeah. that he's your guy. But I wonder how many times if the Pirates just don't let him go out there, if his right. numbers don't look closer to the numbers of Glassnow and Blake Snell. I mean, Blake Snell, those are Cy Young numbers. Obviously, he's not going to approach that right now. Um, for a part of the season, he was approaching that. However, yeah. um, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're not going to say this is going to knock your ERA down two full runs. But it's the idea that seeing success of these two, and more than them, it's not just them, right? Mm-hmm. By not having them go deep into games, um, like I said, these are two highly regarded pitchers is why I'm using them as the example. Right. It really had me thinking, what if the Pirates utilize their starters a little different? What if this is some sort of model, and I know that we don't like the opener, we don't like piggyback starts and all those things, but with young pitching, what if that's the smarter way to go? Yeah, and you can convince me of that. I'll never, I'll never hop on board with the opener. I just... I just don't like that and and, and, you, and what it is, but I don't, I can see this being effective and, and if you can, whatever way you can win games. That's the bottom I'm, line, I'm, right? I'm on board. I'm on board. Um, I, I, I will backtrack. I don't think, 
I don't think openings or openers are going to win you or lose you a game. I don't. So let's talk more about the piggyback though. The piggyback starts. So you just for me, you're you're adding more pitchers that are going to be throwing longer, and you're limiting your bullpen. But if you do that, let's say you have six guys that are starting pitchers, right? And maybe only one guy who is like a long man. Instead of two long men, you have a guy who's capable of actually starting, right? And mm-hmm. instead of going through a six-man rotation, you take that extra guy, you get a little bit creative with days off and things like that, but you have maybe a couple of guys who are basically designed to say, you're going to pitch one time through the order, and if you're rolling, we'll go for a second time, but then you're gone, and we're going to go into this other guy. So let's say that gets you through the fourth or fifth inning even sometimes. Fifth? Does that make sense? Yeah, because technically it gets you through the sixth if you have a no-hitter, right? Right. Is that right? Yeah. If you have a perfect game, yeah. Right. Per- yeah, you're right. So anyway, let's say it gets you through four innings on average. Mm-hmm. You've gone through the order maybe one and a half, two times. And we go on to the next guy. You're, get- you're getting the ball to only need two relievers at the end of the game. So long as they're effective and they're capable of getting you through the two of them, through seven innings, which one guy needs to go four, the next guy only needs to go three. That seems like that's an easy thing to do, right? You can you can prep for that knowing the whole time. If you if you do it, you know starting pitchers and, and routines and things like that, you could pretty much, I mean, you don't have a time, but you have an idea that, hey, no matter what happens in this game, you're going in in the fifth. It feels yeah. dumb, right? From our old heads, it feels dumb. But those numbers and those guys with those numbers, they're going to be better. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And if the first guy's struggling, then that second guy knows it's either the fourth or the fifth. But you will at least come in in the fifth. Yeah. Tell me I'm, I can come in in the fourth or fifth inning. And if I come in in the fifth, I literally only have to throw the fifth and sixth. And then if I'm rolling, I'll throw the seventh. But either way, you shorten that bullpen. You know what I mean? And you've only added in this scenario, yeah. you've only added one starter. Now, you have that one long man, that one guy like an Andre Jackson who can go two to three innings anytime he goes out there, and he's basically available if somebody gets hurt. Guy goes out there, maybe he gets shelled in the first inning, and you say, all right, you're not coming in the fourth, you're going in right now. So you bring in a reliever, you get him out of the inning that he's struggling in, and then that next guy starts the next inning, and you say, give me three to four. Then on that day, you need a little bit more, right? But on the days that Keller pitches, and hopefully one other guy that they're able to go get, you don't have to worry about this. So you drop the key nugget right there. I will say that. If you're doing a piggyback start, the second starter, the second bulk guy, whatever you want to call it, does not come in in the middle of an inning. Right. In my scenario, he, you would get in, him out with a reliever and yes. then let him start a fresh inning. Yes. And I think that's the way you would do it every single time in order for that to work. In order for it to work well. Because this guy, he's when he's getting his, his uh, motion started for when he's going to be going and say he's supposed to go into the fifth. Well, now you're going to come into the fourth. Not a big deal of an adjustment for him as long as he doesn't have to come in and immediately be throwing from the stretch. Right, yeah, that's fine. That's not what he's prepping for. He's prepping for a clean inning, so give him the clean inning. 
hey, I'm going to use you an inning earlier. I'm going to use Moretta to get out of this jam real quick because that's what I think Moretta should be used. He should just get pitchers out of jams, quit put, putting him in at the end of the game. Just, I mean, <laughs> Save if, him if, for those moments. If, if Bednar's not available, Holderman's not available, whatever, I get it, using there. But he needs to get the starters out of the jams, period. That should be his role. He's excellent at it. Just let him thrive. Or anyone out of innings, right? So, yeah. so do you think that something like this, you're you're not only doing that, but you're also limiting innings, right? And so you're hopefully helping with injuries when you're stretching guys mm-hmm. out, going deep. You're hopefully helping with something like that. Um, see how uh, how many times were guys out there more than they should have been. Right. You know what I'm saying? Even Mitch Keller, because you were asking him to do a lot, I would even say, not piggyback sort of situations, but like if, if Mitch Keller's given up four runs, don't send him out there in the seventh inning. I right. know why we did, mm-hmm. but what if we didn't? Do we just increase his numbers? And yes, the pitcher's going to say, I want the ball. But at some point, you have to say, dude, you've given up four runs. <laughs> Come back right. the next start and do better. You know what I'm saying? And then maybe, you know, if he's doing better, he earns another inning. But if he's not right. doing good, you got to make a move. And the only way you can do that, the only way you can take him out when I've got 85 pitches, I know I can go out there in the seventh. I don't care. You've given up four runs. Come do better next time. But what that means is if he's dealing through six, and he's feeling good, but he's at 98 pitches, you have to be willing to give him the seventh. Yeah. Because you ha- it has to be, you know what I'm saying, you have to say no, or or let's say he's pitched eight. You know what I'm saying? Let's say he's thrown eight innings and he's at 98 pitches. You have to be willing to give him the ninth if he wants it just to counter that and say, like, right. you want the complete game, man? I'm going to give you a chance to get a complete game. If he's yeah. going out there for the seventh with 98, there's no reason. Right. You know what I'm saying? Unless we need it and he really wants it. There's scenarios. We don't need to cover all the scenarios. Um, Glassnell and Snell, neither one, man, had a start go beyond the sixth inning when they were when they struggled. They got him out. Yeah. And their numbers look great because of it. So do you – I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like Oviedo and Keller both had at least one start where it got away from them in later innings and they were already not doing well. Not like, the, oh, they gave up no runs through six, and then you sent him out there for the seventh, and he gave up two. I'll take two runs. But if he's already yeah. given up two runs, and you send him out there for the seventh, that's where I'm like, you could have just had a six-inning six game with two two runs. Instead, you have six and two-thirds with four runs, and it's no longer a great start. Like, right. give him that great start. Make those numbers better. You have other pitchers. And the way that they move pitchers around, I'm just wondering, does this, uh, like I said, we needed it, right? And I get mm-hmm. it. But moving forward, does this make a difference? And is this something that even as a, a traditionalist who wants my starter to go seven or whatever, really, I don't even care. I, pitch me an effective game. I expect sometimes that goes into the seventh and eighth inning. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. Give me an average of, of six innings. Uh, give me an average of five and two-thirds or something. I don't know. Either way, throw 200 innings if you want to be called an ace. You yeah. can be my number one, <clears throat> but you're not an ace till you've thrown 200 innings and you're a sub-four ERA, period. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I'll give a little bit. Now, if you're a 180 like Snell and you've got a 225, yeah, we'll go there. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you're a 350 and you haven't thrown 200 innings, you're not an ace. 
You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that's never going to happen. Um, but I could see, and we're talking one year. This is all goofy, but are you willing to go this route if it means our guys will be more effective and hopefully this leads to winning more games? Right. And and, and keeping I people do. healthy. Yeah. And and it's like we started out with this. You're reserving the ace for that that specific criteria. And I'm looking at piggyback starts being the younger guys that aren't established yet. Like I'm not using a piggyback or anything like that for Mitch Keller. No. I'm not. That's not what we're talking right now. We're we're talking about preventing Mitch Keller's numbers from being inflated. Yeah, but it's yeah, but it's for the extra inning. That's it. It's that it's that extra inning, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so I just wanted to make sure that that's clear because, you know, that's (laughs) Mitch Keller's still our guy, and he is approaching. If he continues to get better, he's approaching that ace status. Um, It's not ready to hand it to him yet. He's definitely our number one. Yeah, but I could see us going that route with guys like. Luis Ortiz. Um, Oviedo. I mean, I know the Oviedo could be injured going into the season, but could could we avoid this situation that he's in right now by doing this? See, I, I'm, I'm almost lumping Oviedo, not not all the way to Mitch Keller, but I, I'd like to limit the the extra stuff with him, not piggybacking. Well, I, I and I'm not saying piggyback. I'm not saying piggyback every start either. That's why I right. said there's you got six guys. You don't have twelve. Right, I'm saying you don't, or you don't have ten. You're not doing this with every guy right. each time. Right. I'm saying sprinkle them in there. You know what I'm saying? Oviedo could could use that. The problem is Oviedo's inning is the first inning that he struggles in. So <laughs> that is a guy that you might say could an opener actually increase his ability to go six innings and get you through the seventh if he just didn't have to throw that first inning. Now, if the He's second still inning, have to throw the first inning when he touches the mound, his first inning. But if that's right. not the first inning, if that changes for him, that's what I'm saying. You have to figure that stuff out. But that's the only – I know that you're totally against the opener, so you don't even have to make a comment on that because you'll be against it. But I'm saying if it works, I don't care. I, I would do it. If if it works for him, I would do it to get him out of that first inning, and then he can settle in. Um, but either way, whatever it is, you do what you do to, to try to win games. But yeah. I think on top of that, we have to also think about – I mean, Jared Jones, Paul Skeens, eventually you're talking, you know, Paul Skeens, Solomedo, Chandler. You know, we got a lot of these young pitchers coming up. Mm-hmm. And how do you how do you get them to a point where you're not running them into the same problem that Oviedo ran into last year? And go listen to last week's show where we kind of talk about uh Gary and I kind of talked about um you know, how long you're using these guys and how many innings they're throwing and trying to prevent injuries. This is just like the second part of that conversation. Um, there's a third part, too, that maybe we'll get into this offseason, <laughs> maybe not, about max effort and Greg Maddox, right? Maybe we'll get into that sometime this offseason if we can, but we've got definite opinions on that as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, but this one in particular, we're looking at two guys who are considered elite only because they had a little bit of a shorter leash. Yeah. Now, Tampa is not in the same boat as San Diego. It was easy to do that with Snell because you had guys like Musgrove and Darvish and whoever else that were capable of pitching deeper, and so your bullpen wasn't, you know, overworked as well. Yeah. But Glassnell's not in that situation. Tampa does that with everybody. 
You know what I mean? Right. It's like, right. we're just not going to do it. We're going to keep you fresh. Now, 21 starts didn't prove that, but the idea is that if I can keep him fresh and keep him from going deep into games so that I know he's available for the next game and ready to go, and you don't have fatigue and you don't have those sort of things, he can be effective for longer and more often. Availability is an attribute. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's value in availability. If you continue to start 30 games every single season, I'm going to pay you more than a guy who's starting 20 games a season. Period. Yeah. And some and somehow Glass now got 25 million <laughs> for never. This was the first year he's ever started 20 games. I don't know how in the world that you, you can even get to that number. Um, other than the fact that Tampa knew that they were never going to pay him that anyway. They were always going to trade him before that. So yeah. they didn't care what that number was. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't know, man. Uh, to me, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I'd rather not have guys hurt. Right. I'd rather have guys' numbers look better. We continue to look at these pitchers and say, yeah, but this guy wasn't that good. I mean, you go look at Mitch Keller and you say, like, well, what was his season really? And at the end of the day, he had a 421 ERA. And we're talking about a guy who was in the Cy Young conversation for a piece of this year. 421 is not good. It's fine, right. but it's not a number one. Right. And had we just not sent him out there a few times, maybe he's under a four. Yeah. And so even him, I'm saying, do, do personal statistics matter? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you even care? Did he help us win some of those games or did he actually help us lose them? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. Yeah. Did he help us win another game because he went a couple extra innings and gave a couple guys in the bullpen a day off? I don't really know. But to be honest with you, I think I'd rather take him out, put the bullpen in, if you need to make a move to option somebody down and bring somebody else up for availability, do it. But I think you got to start protecting guys like Mitch Keller and putting him on the map. I mean, in a couple of years, if they can't get him extended in a couple of years, you need his value to be high in a trade. Yeah. I don't know. No, I'm with you. I, I just wonder if there's a little bit to it here when we look at some of these other guys who are being taken out early and not thrown 200 innings. I think that Mitch Keller was pushed a little too hard this year. Um, probably shouldn't have even been close to 200 innings. Yeah. Maybe closer to that 180. And if you can get, you know, two, three guys at that 180 mark and then work somebody else in, you're giving somebody else more of uh, more uh, opportunity, but you're also just not overexposing them and limiting innings to avoid injuries. I just think there's a lot there. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. And we'll it's... see what they do. Um, We're long, so it's a good talk. And, and you know, I understand – Pitching is specifically something that, you know what I mean, that you're, this is, this is a difficult exercise for you. Yeah. You want all five starters to go six every game. No. You want them I want, to. I want, I want at least one through three to go five or six innings every time. Out. Five or six? I mean, that's not actually asking that much. I feel like you, at I want least, one and two to go six. Maybe seven. Three, you say a lot. Maybe seven. seven. You you say a lot. Give me seven innings. Yeah, six or seven for your one and two. And that just your doesn't happen guy, that often. Your three either. guys should average around six ish. You know, should get you into the sixth inning every time. Not every time. You, Potential to get you on into average the sixth every time. On average. Yeah, your four and five are pieced together. 
Okay. So that's actually fair. I would I would have expected you to say you're either a starting pitcher or you're not. And if you can't get through five, you're not a starting pitcher. But <laughs> that's if you're if you're winning a hundred games a year as a team, I expect one through five to be able to do that. Okay. So I think that there's I think that there's a path to win more games by not doing that. So let's wrap this up. Um, dude, you take a peek inside of this stuff and it can be confusing times, specifically the TV stuff. Um, a look behind the curtain sometimes is depressing. <laughs> uh, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, I just want to root for the pirates and hope they win. Do you have any, um, do you have any closing things to say? Oh, I know you got one thing. Yeah, there it is. Today's, today's one of those days. Today's the game. So it is Saturday yeah. for us. We're, it's yeah. Saturday morning. Go Buckeyes. Yep. It's a big... I'm sure when you guys watch this, I'm either going to be crying or, or having a party. <laughs> I won't be. I mean, I'll get over it. Considering quick. they're not going to listen to this until after Monday. I think it'd be right. Okay. Right. I'll be fine by then, no matter but what. Big week for college football. A couple of big games, um, obviously. In week. our part of the country, Ohio State, Michigan. Doesn't get better than that. So I know a lot of people will be tuned into that game today too. Jake will be down here. It's Auburn and Alabama. Yeah. I like uh, that game too. Yeah. But obviously, yeah. you know, Jake's gonna be Jake's gonna get off here and change into all red clothes and uh, yell I wear at the my TV. Brutus shirt, black Brutus shirt. Okay. Red socks. It's the way it roll. That's every game? Every game. Okay. Well, either way, uh that's fun. <laughs> Let's go Bucks, right? I mean, you can say that. Let's go Bucks all squared. the time. Yep, yep, that's good. Um, yeah, it's cool. Um, root for the Pirates, guys. <laughs> no matter what happens here, uh, if all you do is is take this stuff and and talk trash about the organization and focus on all the negative stuff, you're not really a fan. So don't say you're a Pirates fan. You're just somebody paying attention to the Pirates so that you can trash them. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly. It's just not what we do around here. We're we're hoping that things get good. Quite frankly, that's not cool, man. <laughs> that's so, just not cool. Yeah. Have a great week, guys. Uh, next time we talk, we will be getting ready for winter meetings. Yep. Let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks. Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck, cannonball coming, and let's go, Bucks! <laughs>